If you've today trusted in Jesus as your personal Savior, the Bible says you have victory. Not only has it been promised to you, but it's been purchased for you. It's been purchased by the spilled blood of Jesus through His finished work at the cross and through the grave. Uh, your victory and my victory has been purchased. And so we're thankful for the victory that's been promised to us and purchased for us. Victory over sin. Victory over Satan. Victory over self. Victory over situations. Victory over the stuff of life. And how many know we all got some stuff? I've got some stuff. You've got some stuff. Emotional stuff. Physical stuff. Spiritual stuff. Relational stuff. All kinds of stuff that we deal with in this sinful world. Um, the Bible says we can walk in victory over those things. So today, I have the great privilege of talking to you about victory in a great man of God's life. Man, I couldn't wait to share with you what the Lord has shared with me concerning the man uh, Caleb. Caleb was a fantastic man of God that the Lord used in a great way. And I want to preach to you on the subject this morning, the marks of a man of God. The marks of a man of God. Now, ladies, I know that title don't work too good for you, but I can promise you uh, the principles that I'm going to share with you will certainly work for you. See, the same principles that Caleb used to become a great man of God, all of us can use to become great people of God, to become great men and women of God. But ladies, if you don't like that title, we can call it How to Claim Your Mountain. All right? So whichever title you like, that's what we're going to be talking about. The marks of a man of God or how to claim your mountain. What are the marks? of a man of God. How do we claim our mountain when it comes uh, to the victory we have in Jesus? Well, Joshua chapter number 14, starting in verse number 6, gives us the answer to that question. We're going to read from verse 6 all the way through to verse number 12. Now, you've got to understand what's happened here. I've kind of skipped ahead a little bit, and we're going to go back and and finish up what we've skipped. But man, I just wanted to share this with you this morning and felt led to do so, so that's why we're here. Now, the nation of Israel has been brought out of Egypt through the wilderness into the promised land, and God has given them victory after victory in Canaan land, and now it's come time for Joshua, the leader of the people, to start dividing up the land that God had promised. And in the midst of all of this, Caleb comes to him and makes a request. Listen to what he says. Joshua chapter 14, verse 6. Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua in Gilgal. And Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenzanite, said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to espy out the land. And I thought him, and I brought him, excuse me, word again, as it was in my heart. Pay close attention to what Caleb says. The word that I brought back when I had been sent to spy out the land was the word that was in my heart. Now listen to what else the Bible tells us. Then it goes on to say in verse 8, Nevertheless, my brethren, that went up with me, made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance, and the children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed after the Lord thy God. I love that. 
That's two times in two verses the Bible tells us that Caleb wholly followed after the Lord. Verse 10. And now behold, the Lord hath kept me alive as he said these forty and five years, even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. So what Caleb is saying to Joshua, it's been 45 years since Moses made the promise by the word of the Lord that I could have the land that I'd walked on. 45 years, but God has kept his promise. What an amazing truth. Let's go on. Watch this, verse 11. As I yet am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so my strength is now for war, both to go out and to come in. Verse 12. Now therefore, give me this mountain. Now therefore, give me this mountain. Joshua, give me my mountain. He's claiming what's his. He's claiming what's been promised. How many times have I told you throughout the course of this study as we've been looking in the book of Joshua, it's time the people of God possess their possessions. What God has promised, he's ready to give. But it's up to us to claim that. It's up to us to walk in that. It's up to us to have enough faith to say, God, I want what's coming to me. And that's what Caleb said. Watch. Give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day, for thou heardest in that day how the Anakins were there, the giants were there, and that the cities were great and fenced, if so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. Everybody say, as the Lord said. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We're so thankful for who you are and for what you've done. Lord, we're thankful for the truth of your word today. Without you, we can do nothing. So we're glad that you've written your word to us. But Lord, I'm also thankful, Holy Spirit, that by your power, we can preach this word effectively. I can't do it in my power. I can't do it in my ability. Lord, I don't want to do it in my power. I don't want to do it in my ability. Don't let me mess up what you want to do today, what you want to speak to these people. I'm praying that you move me out of the way, you use me, fill me up, pour me out, and use me to speak your truth to this people. Lord, these things we pray in Jesus' name and for your sake. Show us what it means to claim our mountain. Show us the marks of a man of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What are the marks of the man of God? Well, the first thing that I want you to see is Caleb was committed. Caleb was committed. Look what the Bible says. The Bible says in verse number eight at the end of the verse, but I wholly followed after the Lord. It says in verse nine at the end of the verse, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. Then look down at the end of verse number 14, the same thing. The Bible says that Caleb wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. So the Bible is making crystal clear that Caleb was a committed man. Caleb wholly followed after the Lord. He didn't give God half-hearted service. He did what was necessary to give him whole, his whole self to God. Every ounce of his being, every nerve, every thought, every action, every direction that Caleb took, he took it because he was following hard after the Lord. He wholly gave himself to God. Now, folks, I want to tell you something. Caleb just realized something that all of us as believers need to also realize. Once you've trusted in Jesus as your personal Savior and you've become a follower of Christ, you need to understand it's no longer about your personal plan. Now it's about the plan of God. 
It's no longer about us fulfilling our personal purpose. Now it's about us fulfilling the purpose of God. It's no longer about our time being ours and our talent being ours and our treasure being ours. Now we give all of that to God. All our hopes, all our dreams, all our time, all our talent, all our treasure now belongs to the Lord. And what God says do, we ought to do. If God says go, praise God, we ought to go. Where's God told you to go? I don't know where God's told you to go. I don't know what God's speaking to your heart, but when you go, know God speaks it, then do it. If God says go, go. If God says stay, stay. If God says wait, wait. But whatever God says, get a hold of his truth and then act accordingly. That's what it means to be wholly committed unto the Lord. To give everything we've got in the service of Jesus, because I'm going to tell you something, that's really what matters. How many of you know, uh, what we do for the kingdom of God will echo throughout eternity. How many of y'all thankful for that this morning? In a hundred years, it ain't going to matter what kind of house you live in, what kind of car you drive, what your bank account statement says, but what will matter is what you've done for the cause of Christ. And so it's, it's time as God's people that we become committed, sold out believers ready to do what God says do. Caleb was wholly committed. I remember a, a message that I heard by Dr. Bob Pittman. I don't know if you've ever, any of you have ever heard Bob Pittman, but he's probably one of my top five preachers of all time. I love that brother. God used him in a fantastic way. He's been preaching over 50 years in a Baptist church. And being, having preached over 50 years in a Baptist church, he knew the problem in the church with commitment. And he said he'd been praying about it. He'd been struggling with it because not a lot of people are committed anymore. And he said he felt like the Holy Spirit of God spoke to him over breakfast one morning. He said he sat down to a big old country breakfast, began to look around all over the table. And he said he seen over to his left some fried eggs and some scrambled eggs and some gravy. And then he seen to his right big old uh, pan of cat head biscuits. And then over across from him was some bacon and some sausage and some ham and some tenderloin. And he said right there at that breakfast table, he felt like God spoke to him. That chicken played a part in breakfast. But man, that pig was committed. <laughs> Now let me tell you something. God is not asking you to play a part in church. God is asking you to be committed to Him in everything you do. God is asking you to be committed in prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says that we ought to pray without ceasing. We ought to stay in a continual attitude of prayer. Amen. How many of y'all still believe God? A prayer changes things. That God hears your prayers and by his power he is able to answer your prayer according to his will. You ought to be committed in your prayer life. Pray for one another. Pray for your pastor. Pray for your family. Pray for the lost. Pray for everything that's going on and anything that's going on because God is able. There are no prayers too big for God. He's big enough. So be committed in your prayer life. Let me tell you something else. Be committed to the study of the word of God. 2 Timothy 2.15 says that we ought to study to show ourselves approved unto God a workman, rightly dividing the word of truth who needeth not to be ashamed. See, folks, I want to tell you something. If we're going to get stronger as a body of believers, if we're going to be strong in our individual walk with Jesus, we've got to feast upon the bread of life, which is the word of God. We've got to have a steady diet of it. It strengthens you. It encourages you. It teaches you. It leads, guides, and directs you. God's Word is truly powerful. I saw a church sign the other day that blessed my heart. 
It said, uh, how can you expect to grow spiritually strong if you only exercise one day a week on Sunday? That's pretty good. See, you can exercise daily in your faith when you become committed to your prayer life and you become committed to the study of the Word of God. Live a life of commitment. But let me say something else. You need to be here on Sunday, praise God. You need to be committed to your local church. Matter of fact, the Bible says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, Hebrews 10, 25. It's important that you take time to spend time in church with other believers. Let me tell you something. You are a member in one body and you need the church and the church needs you. God has set you in this place for a purpose, for a reason. How can he use you in his body if you choose not to show up? So get committed to your local church where God has placed you I'm sure most of you have probably heard of someone by the name of D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody was one of the greatest men of God who ever walked the face of the earth, and God used him in a fantastic way. D.L. Moody was a shoe clerk, a shoe salesman, when he accepted Jesus as his personal Savior. Not long after he had trusted in Christ and been born again, the Lord led him to start a small group ministry with some of the young men in his community. He began Bible studies weekly with those young men. He is credited with founding the modern Sunday school. So D.L. Uh, uh, Moody went from being a shoe clerk to a Sunday school teacher. But not long after that, these young men started getting saved left and right. And he went from being a Sunday school teacher to an evangelist. And God began using him um, as an evangelist all over the, uh, the area around Chicago and then all across the United States of America. And then God took him overseas to Europe on two different, two different times to preach the gospel there. Now the first time that uh, D.L. Moody went over to, to Europe, the, his preaching wasn't that powerful. But the second time something changed. Something changed in a very, very big way. He went over the second time there in, uh, in uh, England and the first day that he got there he went out on the English countryside right outside of London and there was a revival meeting going on where a pastor by the name of Henry Varley was preaching. And as Henry, Henry Varley was preaching he said something that caught D.L. Moody's attention. He said the world has yet to see what God could do in and for and through and to a man that is wholly committed unto him. And D.L. Moody, when he heard that word, man, he, that touched his heart. And he said, I'm going to be that man. Let me tell you what happened. God took that uneducated shoe clerk from Chicago, Illinois. And he brought him all over the world to preach the gospel. And millions of people have been brought into the kingdom of God simply because one man got wholly committed unto the Lord. Let me tell you what I see out before me this morning. I see all kinds of potential. What would happen if all of us as a church body got wholly, fully committed, sold out to Jesus? What could we do in this community? What could we do in this city? What could we do in this state? What could we do across the street and around the world with a bunch of sold out believers? D.O. Moody God used in a fantastic way. If he can do it for him, he can do it for you. He can do it for me. Amen? He can do it for us. But it takes commitment. It takes commitment. Some of you have probably heard of 
the uh, Moody Bible Institute, Chicago, Illinois. It's trained thousands upon thousands of pastors and missionaries and church leaders. Still going strong today. You've probably heard of the Moody Church in Chicago, Illinois. God's working there in a fantastic way. It's growing in leaps and bounds. You've probably heard of Moody Radio. If you haven't, turn it on 88.9 out of Tuscaloosa tomorrow morning and you can listen to all the Moody Radio you want to. I do all the time. All of that are branches of D.L. Moody's ministry that God began so many years ago when he got fully committed to the Lord. And still today, millions of lives are being touched daily. Isn't that amazing? Caleb was a committed man. I'm going to tell you something. We need more Caleb's. We need a house full of Caleb's. Not only was Caleb a committed man, but let me tell you something. He was a man of character. Go back to Joshua chapter 14 and look with me there. At verse number 7, he remembers back to what happened when he was 40 years old. He said, 40 years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to espy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in my heart. Now, the story that he's talking about is found referenced in Numbers chapter number 13. Now, I'm going to flip over there and read for you about five verses. Number thir numbers 13, verses 25 through verse number 30. This is what happens. When Moses was still leading the nation of Israel, they came right to the border of the promised land, right to the border of Canaan land at a place called Kadesh Barnea. And so Moses took 12 spies, one man from each tribe, and told them to go into the land and spy it out, see what they're up against when they go and cross Jordan River. Uh, Caleb and Joshua happened to be some of these spies. Now listen what happens. Uh, Numbers 13, verse 25. And they returned from searching of the land after 40 days, and they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel under the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And, and they told him and said, We came into the land whither thou settlest us, settles us, and surely it flows with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. Now again, the children of Anak are the giant clans that dwelled in Canaan land. Upon the earth in that time there was giants roaming. And they said, When we went into the land, we saw all these giants with their walled cities. Now, Look what, what the Bible tells us. Listen to this, verse 29. The Amalekites dwell in that land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. Now look at verse 30. So the, the, the ten of the spies bring back a pretty meager report of what's in the land. There's giants there, there's walled cities. There's no way we're going to be able to go in and take this land. Listen to what Caleb said. I love it. This is what, this is what kind of character this brother's got. He says in verse 30, And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it. For we are able to overcome it. Verse 31, But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against this people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched, and the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that saw it in there are men of great stature. And there, were, and there we saw giants, the sons of Anak, which come up of the giants, and we were in their own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. And so ten of them says, Man, there's a bunch of giants in there, and we're never going 
going to be able to overcome them. Caleb stands up and says, God told us we could have the land. God promised the land was already ours. The cloud that was leading us through the wilderness is already in Canaan land. Let's just follow God. Now, why do I say he's a man of character? Because even though the majority was against him, he was willing to stand for God and stand for truth. Ten of the spies couldn't get past the size of the men that dwelled in Canaan. Caleb couldn't get past the size of his God that had promised the land was theirs to begin with. And even though nobody else, hardly, Joshua stood with him, but there was a 10 against two, the majority stood against him. He was willing to stand for truth. Now, what, how does that apply to me and you? Let me say something to you. You know it's easy to pray in a setting like this. Because most everybody in here this morning, you probably all about some praying. You know it's easy to praise Jesus in a setting like this. We just went through a powerful worship service and man, God came down and, and met with us and we just had a good time and praised God for all that. And that's wonderful. But let me tell you something. It's easy to do that in a setting like this because the majority's with you. I mean, you know, it's easy to stand for truth and preach truth in a setting like this because most of you believe truth. The difficult part, the difficult time comes not when we're in here, but when we walk out these doors and enter our world. Because guess what, young people? The majority of people at your school is not about praying. The majority of people at your school is not about standing for truth. The majority of people at your school is not about praising Jesus, Jesus with their lips and with their lives. And so to be a man and woman of character, to be a child of God that God is pleased with, we've got to do what's right regardless of what the crowd does. That's what Caleb did. He was a committed man. He was a man of character. And I want to challenge you this morning to be the same thing. Jesus said that it's better that we fear the one who has control over our soul than to fear the one that can hurt the body. Don't fear what men say about you or can do to you. Fear God, have some character, and stand for truth no matter who stands against you. Listen to me. Get a hold of this. One with God. One person with God is always in the majority. Keep standing. Have some character. He was a committed man. He was a man of character. But let me tell you something else. He was a courageous man. A very courageous man. Go back to Joshua chapter 14. Watch this. And look down with me if you will. All the way down to verse number 12. Now, therefore, give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day, for thou heardest in that day how the Anakins were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be that the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. Now, get the picture. This brother's no longer 40, now he's 85. It's been 45 years since God made the promise to give him the land, but 
Caleb, being a man of courage, said, I don't care how many giants live in the land. If God said I can have it, I'm going to claim it. But listen, it's going to take courage to overcome three enemies that he's going to face. And the same three enemies that he faces is the same enemies that we all face as well. Let me give them to you. First of all, he had to overcome the grasshoppers. Do you remember back in Numbers 13 how that the men said, we are like grasshoppers before the giants in Canaan? These were the pessimistic crowd. This was the folks who thought that it couldn't be done, it wouldn't be done, they know no way it's going to happen. Now let me tell you, say something to you. We all have been around negative Nancy. Anybody like to be around negative Nancy? Me neither. Matter of fact, I'm not going to stay long around negative Nancy. I'm not going to listen to them. I'm not going to hang out with them because I've come to find out when you hang out with negative Nancy, you too will become negative. They'll rub off on you. So I don't. I really don't. But now let me say something to you. They are pessimistic because the pessimist always sees difficulty in the opportunity. Always. I've heard it said that some people see the glass half full, some people see it half empty, some people don't even see a glass. This grasshopper crowd is the crowd that don't even see a glass. I mean, they're negative about everything. There ain't no way it's going to happen. It can't happen. I don't see how it's going to work. I mean, they're always like that. The optimist, on the other hand, is the person who sees an opportunity in every difficulty. It's all in how you view things. It's all in your perspective. I heard a story one time about a shoe company who sent a shoe salesman to the deepest, darkest jungles of Africa. And he gets down there after about two days. He calls back and says, man, bring me home. Nobody down here wears any shoes. So they brought him home. When he got back home, they sent another shoe salesman down to Africa. About, after about two days, he called the company back and he said, send me all the shoes that you've got in the warehouse. And they said, why? He said, because all the prospects are endless down here. Nobody's got any shoes on. It's how you view things. Now the good news for a child of God Listen, God who is omnipotent, all-powerful, the God who spoke and creation came into existence. I'm talking about, listen to me now, the star-breathing, mountain-moving, sea-splitting, dead-raising God that we read about on the pages of Scripture is the same one I call my Heavenly Father. And so if He's on my side, what's too big for Him? I've had to overcome some grasshoppers. It happens in the church too. Well, brothers, we just a little old country church. Well, if that's your mindset, that's all you're ever going to be. No, it's bigger than that. It's bigger than, let me tell you why I say that. Because if you've got five people sold out for Jesus, that's awesome. If you've got five people who are committed wholly like Caleb was, then you've got you something. We can't do this. We can't do that. It ain't never going to happen. You're spending too much time looking at the giant and not enough time looking at your God. Trust him. He had to overcome the grasshoppers, but he also had to overcome the giants. I mean, these were literal giants. These were some Huge men, men of war inside walled cities, 
And Caleb said, if God be for me, who can be against me? And you go on and read, you're going to find that he overcame those giants. Let me say something to you. Listen to me very plainly. Sometimes God puts giants in our path so that we might be able to realize just how big he is. Trust him. Trust him. He had to overcome the grasshoppers. He had to overcome the giants, but he also had to overcome the gray hairs. Now he's 85. A little older than he used to be. Anybody else have a problem with gray hairs? I went this week and I got a more of a problem now than I used to. I went this week, got my hair cut, and I, he said, how short do you want to go? I said, man, just cut all the gray off. You see what happened. <laughs> it's getting worse and worse by the day. I mean, that's what, we all grown a little bit older, which is not a bad thing, it's a good thing. It's a lot better than the alternative, amen? <laughs> So I'm just saying, we all deal with that. But you know what Caleb said? I feel just as good today at 85 as I did when I was 40. God is able to make it come to pass regardless of our physical situation. Trust Him. Trust Him. He's able. He'll give you strength to overcome. Caleb was a committed man, a man of character, a courageous man, or overcome grasshoppers and giants and gray hairs. But let me tell you something else. He was a confident man. And this is what I wanted to get to. And we're done. Read with me, if you will, in verse number six. Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee and Kadesh Barnea. Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said. Look down again to verse 10. And now behold, the Lord hath kept me alive as he said. Look down with me again at verse 12. Now therefore give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day. For thou heardest in that day how the Anakins were there and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. Where did Caleb's confidence come from? He was confident in the promises of God. Just by a show of hands this morning, how many of you have come to find out you can trust what God says? Anybody? Amen. Amen. Me too. Caleb trusted in what God had promised. And let me tell you what that means to you. The Bible says in the book of 1 Corinthians that all the promises of God are yea and amen in Christ Jesus. That means if you are in Christ and Christ is in you, you've placed your trust in Jesus as your Savior, you can claim all the promises of God to the people of faith. And you should claim all the promises of God to the people of faith. Amen? Standing on the promises, I cannot fall. Listening every moment to the Spirit's call. Resting in my Savior as my all in all. 
I'm standing on the promises of God. You can believe God's word, you can build your life on God's word, and you should believe it and build your life on it. Jesus said, if you believe what I say and you hear my words, it's like a man that builds his house upon a rock. And the storm comes to everybody, but the foundation matters when the storm comes. What are you building your life upon? Caleb was confident in what God had promised. Now listen to me, child of God. If we can claim all those promises, why don't we? I'm not talking about name it and claim it, blab it and grab it, speak it and receive it. That's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about get a hold of the truth of the word of God and trust in it. That's what I'm talking about. Let me give you some scriptures. Hebrews 13.5. Hebrews 13.5 is a quotation of Joshua 1.9. You remember Joshua 1.9. We spent about two weeks on it just a few, uh, about a month ago. It tells us that God will never leave us nor forsake us. If you believe it, say amen. The McCamies used to have an old song called The God on the Mountain is Still God in the Valley. He's God in the good times and God in the bad times. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. He's not a fair weather friend that's here one minute and gone the next. No matter what's going on, God remains with you as a child of God. That's a, that's a promise I'm going to claim. That's a promise I trust in. Let me give you another one, Philippians 1.6, being confident of this very thing, that he that, with, that hath begun the good work in you will perform it under the day of Jesus Christ. What Jesus has started in you at the moment of conversion, he will continue as long as you or alive. And then he's going to take you to glory where the final step happens. You'll be glorified to be just like he is. Paul said, I'm confident of this very thing. You ought to be confident as well. What about 1 John 5, 14? We have this confidence that if we ask anything in accordance to his will, he hears us. How many know you can be confident that God hears your prayer? What about Romans 8, 28? And we know that all things, not some things, not most things, not a lot of things, not, 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 uh, not many things. He says, we know that all things, not things we perceive to be good or not just things we perceive to be bad. We know that all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Because we believe Romans 8.28, we got Romans 8.31. What shall we say then to these things if God be for us? Who can be against us? What about John 16, 33? Jesus said, in this world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. All of this is promises that you ought to be claiming. Philippians 4, 19, my, but my God, my God. Is he your God? Do you have that personal relationship with him? But my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. 1 John 4 and 4. Greater is he. That's in me than he that's in the world. Do you believe it? Do you have confidence in it? Are you ready to go take on your giant? Because you got some, ain't you? Me too. Some of us got giants in our family, some family relationship problems that are, that can be some of the biggest giants to overcome. I'm just going to be honest. Because you love your family with all your heart. But nobody can make you as mad as your family that you love with all your heart. Am I right? I mean, maybe that's not true for all y'all, but I'm just saying in my family. I mean, I know all y'all got all of it figured out. But in my family, that's the way it is sometimes. 
I love them more than anything, more than life itself, but if anybody knows how to push my buttons, it's my family. Sometimes that can be some pretty big giants to overcome, but God's got it. He's able. I read a church sign the other day. I like to run off the road trying to read it. You ever do that? Man, I need that one. Had to turn around and go back and look at it. It said, if God puts a Goliath before you, he must see a David in you. It's pretty good. You can be confident. God's got you, child of God. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. If you go on and read the rest of this chapter, and I hope and pray that you do, let me tell you what you're going to find out. The mountain that he claimed was Hebron. Does anybody know what Hebron means in the Hebrew? It means fellowship. That almost makes me want to shout. But the Bible also says in the rest of this chapter that he didn't just get some of the mountain. He got all the mountain. That speaks of fullness. The Bible also says that in this mountain there was great vineyards. And that speaks of fruitfulness. Because Caleb was a committed man and a man of character. And because he was a man of courage and he had confidence in what God had promised. He claimed his mountain. And with that mountain, he got fellowship with God, fullness, and fruitfulness. Now ain't that what you want? If you want it, say amen. Well, you can have it. It's already been purchased for you. It's already been promised to you. Do you have the courage enough to go get it? You're about to face some giants. That's all right. God's big enough. Now, that's for the child of God. It's yours. Go get it. Now listen, some of you here this morning, you've not yet trusted in Jesus. You cannot claim the promises of God until you are in Christ. But I've got some great news for you. The same Jesus that has saved me can and will save you if you'll trust him. And I would love to show you what that means through the word of God. Being in this church don't save you. Walking this aisle don't save you. And I certainly can't save you. But I can point you through the word of God to Jesus. And the Bible says, whoever has the son has life. And whoever don't have the son don't have life. Today, I invite you to trust in him. Whatever you need this morning, you come. Child of God, I'd love to pray with you about whatever's going on in your life. Maybe some giants you're facing. Let's, let's talk to the Lord about it. Let's be confident in His promises that He's able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. Ephesians 3.20. Let's claim that. Let me pray with you. I'd love to. It's my privilege.
If you need to be saved, just come say, brothers, we need to be saved. And God, who is gracious, will meet you right where you're at. Everybody stand together this morning. wait this morning you come hey listen don't quench the spirit either if God's leading you to do something do it if you just need to come pray about something pray for someone hey just talk to the Lord about anything that's going on in your life an altar is a great place to do that whatever you need this morning don't wait don't wait be submissive to the will of God don't quench the spirit that's such a dangerous thing